0: Welcome to Disconnect, a podcast about the internet in remote Australia. I'm Ellie Rennie. In today's episode, we are talking about things that are near and things that are far away. Australia is big. There are only 3.3 people per square kilometre, although most of us live a lot closer together in cities and coastal areas. This has always been the challenge for Australia's telecommunications market, If you are a private company, it doesn't make sense to invest in infrastructure where there are not enough people to cover the costs. The National Broadband Network, or NBN, was created to fix this. The Commonwealth government spent $50 billion in public funds to provide all Australians with broadband for a similar price, no matter where they live. The thing about the NBN is that you don't get to choose what type of connection you get. Your NBN internet service might be fibre optic cable, or you might get fixed wireless or satellite internet. In this episode, we have two different stories on the theme of near and far. First, we have a story from people living in a part of Alice Springs that can only get satellite internet, despite fibre being available a few blocks away. In the second story, we hear about why the distance between the Earth and a satellite matters when it comes to the quality of internet connections. We're visiting Hidden Valley, a town
1: camp in Alice Springs. Town camps are suburbs where Aboriginal people have lived since white people invaded their country. At first there were camps, then, in the 1970s, with the help of Tunganjira, an Aboriginal-led council, residents fought for access to basic services such as housing, power and water. We're going to hear about the latest fight town camps are facing, the fight for access to the same internet service the majority non-Aboriginal population in the rest of Alice Springs enjoys. We'll hear about how, for town camps, the digital divide is just one part of a bigger divide they have been working to bridge for generations. My name is Merritt MacDonald. I live in Alice Springs and work as an events coordinator and AV tech. I used to work as a digital educator in town camps in a role that was focused on digital literacy and producing community controlled media and messaging. Over time, my job changed as I realized people in some town camps didn't have access to the same basic infrastructure available in the rest of Alice Springs. Together with town camp residents, we organized to advocate for town camp infrastructure to be brought in line with the same standard that the rest of Alice Springs enjoys access to fixed-line internet, better phone reception, and timely repairs to public phone boxes when they break down. I'm going to introduce my friend, Noly McMillan. We used to work together at Hidden Valley. Hi, my name is Nolene
2: and I am from Hidden Valley. And I work at Hidden Valley Community Centre. We are at Hidden Valley Community Centre in Alice Spring. We are artists, and painless people are in the kitchen making lunch and kids are in the camera room out the back with the air conditioning running, keeping cool and watching YouTube and playing on the computer. People come to the community center to use the internet. When we run out of credit on our phone, it's an important way to keep in touch with family plus for the kids' education, keep
1: in touch with the banking and all that. It is three years since Nolene and I first raised the issue of telecommunications infrastructure in Hidden Valley with Telstra and NBN Co. Telstra and NBN Co are separately responsible contracted parties under the Universal Service Obligation and the Universal Service Guarantee, legislation that in spirit is meant to ensure people can access telephone and broadband services. Since then, not much has changed. Hidden Valley has the layout of many suburbs in Alice Springs with cul-de-sacs branching off the main road, Umpa Drive, which is nestled into the McDonald Range. The phone reception here is very patchy. You often see people holding their phone up to the sky to try to catch a bar of connectivity. When a taxi pulls in, you'll see it circling the cab stopping and starting and looking for a spot where there is enough reception for the FPOS machine to work. There's internet at the community centre, but sometimes it's pretty slow. The houses in five town camps, including Hidden Valley, have no access to fixed-line internet, in stark contrast to the rest of Alice springs, including the suburb just across the road from Hidden Valley, where there's connectivity. People who live in Hidden Valley have been fighting for improvements to basic services for a long time. Nolene's mum, Stella McMillan, remembers the time when Aboriginal people were not allowed to go into other Springs. Things changed in the 70s as Aboriginal people living in town camps demanded land, shelter and service.
2: Hello, my name is Stella McMillan. i got a story about Hidden Valley Town Camp. Uh, the other side of the hill, there's a plain. We were there in the little tents in 1977 to 79. We've moved here to where Hidden Valley is now. We used to stay in a big army tent when they were building these houses. Then when they got together and made the name Tanganjera, our families here fought really hard to make town camps for Aboriginal people to live in. The Hallow Springs area because this was a part of our land. My dad knows a bit about the estuary here too. Hello, my name is Tim McNamara.
3: I'm from Emmonsburg. It, it really changed when the first white men came to Australia. Mm-hmm. Settlers and sailors came into Australia and moved our people away. And they changed the rules. They changed everything. And the cattle station was really the really first thing to do when they think they was on the land. And Aboriginal people, some few African people worked for them like for Russian, like tea, sugar, you know, they were working working really hard in their lands, making their own sacred land, which they shouldn't be. It's from like from the beginning the Aboriginal people were sharing, sharing the land. Sharing this great, big land of Australia.
1: Colonization brutally displaced Aboriginal people throughout the central desert. Aboriginal people were banned from Alice Springs Township, so many made new homes in town camps. Since then, those communities have been asking for the same infrastructure and services that are available in the rest of town.
2: Tonganjira Council started in 1979, and that means working together. These days, water and electricity aren't the only service. People need to use the internet to do things like reporting to send them in, checking banks, balance, and education for kids.
1: NBN Co, the agency responsible for connecting all Australians to broadband internet, says the NBN rollout is now complete in Alice Springs, but they didn't put any cables into Hidden Valley. Some town camps did get NBN fixed line internet, but Hidden Valley and other town camps like Kanta and Nduppa didn't get connected. It is up to NBN Co to decide which technology options are available in different communities. A spokesperson for NBN Co said, NBN Co goes through a rigorous planning process to determine the best technology for each area. The determination is based on many factors, including the location of transit fibre, existing telecommunications infrastructure, expected timing, number of dwellings and cost. These criteria are applied consistently to ensure the most prudent, cost-effective and equitable deployment of the NBN nationally. Under this planning criteria, it was determined that Hidden Valley Town Camp was to be connected via NBN's satellite service. We asked Ampala Vanapillai Nimalathas, a professor of electrical and electronic engineering at the University of Melbourne, whether there was a difference in quality between satellite and cable internet. He said the main difference between the two technologies was speed.
4: Yeah, so a satellite service at maximum, you're going to get 25 megabits per second downstream. And if you if there are... Uh, 25 people sharing it, then each of them will get, um, you know, 25 megabits divided by four, um, 20. So that's uh, what it is um, less than a megabit per second service. But if you're getting a fiber connection, you can, a community center initially can sign up for a 100 megabit per second link. Uh, and that, you know, 20 people will now get at least five megabits per second, you know, not Concurrently not everyone wants to use it, but on, on average, that's at minimum of that one. But in, in fact uh, the, the demands of different people will be at different times and therefore each of them can enjoy much higher data rate. To
1: understand what this means, here's a piece of really cheesy music. It's a four megabyte MP3 file, pretty small by today's standards. Now here's how long it would take to download this piece of music on the average NBN connection. And here's how long it would take to download the same piece of music on the satellite connection at Hidden Valley. People try to use the internet on their phone, but reception drops out here. Tim McNamara has lived at Hidden Valley for 30 years. This is what he had to say about it.
3: While well, we still on not our NPN, our community of Eden Valley, we've got right about 18 town councils surrounding Ellis Spring. And mm-hmm. Alice Spring is our only town that we live in, sharing why everybody else at NPM in their houses in town, like in the like in Saratine, Saltwell. Mm-hmm.
1: and from mm-hmm. Saltwell and El Papa Road are neighbourhoods in Alice Springs, but they are not town camps. For Tim, the struggle to get NBN connected reminds him of the struggles Hidden Valley has gone through to get other basic infrastructure put in, like a new road. He says it feels like when the government wants something from him and his community, they say yes. But when the community wants a basic service, the government shuts the door.
3: The government asks us to do business with him. We to do some things like building up the roads in our own land. The government asks them to do this. We need to do this. We do need to do this, and we agree with that, and we say yes. Every Krishna will to say yes. We share the land with you, and when we ask what we need, we shut the door for us and never opened the door. Mm -hmm. We Aboriginal people, as like town campers, we're still in a circle sitting around waiting for answer or waiting for somebody to come and say, oh, okay, we can do that. Next next week, next month, we'll do it. But year after year, we're still waiting, Mm -hmm. waiting and waiting and waiting without nothing. Government should look at us the way we are. We are sharing environment. We are sharing our culture. We are sharing our land. It's nothing for us.
1: Tim says an example of this was the 2007 intervention. Through the intervention, the federal government took control over Aboriginal land in the Northern Territory, including town camps. In return for what the then Indigenous Affairs Minister, Malbrath said would be a normalisation of services. This meant access to the same housing, telecommunications and basic services most Australians expect. Any trust the community had for the government was badly damaged by the intervention. People are still living under the 40-year leases the government took out over their land and they are still waiting for the services they say they were promised.
3: It's all about this intervention that has been started in 2007. The government offered us a lease that we can take care of this land for like 40, 40 years lease. And government promised us uh, it's gonna be like good safety house and will be like safer than before they said. Everything's going to be all together as one in your community. What you need, what you want. When, where going to happen. Tomorrow, or next day. Like, we haven't got NBN. In, in like five minutes walking, there's NBN the there. Some people like kids. Our kids have to walk to town to get reception for like phones. They have to go to the main place where they let's uh, town council library to access all things that they want on their phone. But in town camp, there's nothing, there's like black spot. If we have internet in our town camps like wi-fi or internet to access somebody else to our families, to our loved ones, you know. It's really important, we don't have to, it's like, especially for our kids, you know, we we're still asking the government to listen what we need. Like, we share our land, culture, environment, and we don't get nothing.
1: Part of the puzzle is that there are different technologies that can be used for broadband internet. Normally, NBN Co would send an internet signal down a cable that is used for telephones or TV. But if that cable is too old or too long, there's another option called fixed wireless. Fixed wireless means NBN Co would have to spend more money on building a tower that can send signal to lots of houses at once. At Hidden Valley, you can't connect your house to fixed-line internet because there are no cables here. But you can get satellite internet if you want it, and have enough money. On a satellite connection, it costs $70 a month for 50 gig download, plus some unmeted content, and compared to $60 a month for the cheapest fixed-line unlimited data package available in the suburb next door and is at least half the speed. In Melbourne, you can get unlimited data at much faster speeds for only 50 bucks a month. So in other words, internet in Hidden Valley is much more expensive and drastically slower than what's available not only on the East Coast, but even across the road. Here's Nolene.
2: When you rely on settling for money, you don't have much money to sp- spare for extra bills like internet. I get terms for recharge, voucher, which meaning the paper, voucher. We use the phone for internet. Sometimes we need Wi-Fi in our houses to have proper access to the internet, and some of them family needs we use share like um hotspot in the internet
1: yeah, like hotspotting off your phone
2: yeah, or if someone one of your kids say, oh turn off the turn on the hotspot to share with some kids because mm-hmm. thirty dollars reach is not enough. Sometimes I use it with my daughter. Oh, with man and family's
1: in the house. Yeah. And then how quick does it recharge get used?
2: Two,
1: three days, two days. For $30. For access to other basic services, like electricity, there are subsidies for people on low incomes that mean they get a 17% discount on their bill. We asked Professor Nimalathas whether anything like this exists for the internet, and he said no, it doesn't.
4: That's a, a question in in, in what our what I was referring earlier, unequitable um, access when the community or a, a particular uh, disadvantaged part of our society wants mm-hmm. to access broadband and they have no economic means of meeting that at the market rates. Does that is, that, is that an acceptable thing for us to say, sorry, that's the market rate that you have to pay? I think mm-hmm. Australia needs to do better than that. And then we have... Uh, persistent uh, or persistent or at least continuously widening gap between indigenous australians and australians and therefore there is an urgency for us to address the broadband divide because that that simply exacerbates the existing divides um, so i think there is a case for a broadband subsidy or, or a subsidized broadband plans for these communities which are already lacking significant connectivity issue and already um, disadvantaged in a number of areas. And and that should be seen as a community development part rather than an individual person, you know, deciding to choose a particular broadband plan. Um, So I think there needs to be a different social welfare or community development mindset driven policies that sets a different price point for these type of services.
1: The Australian government has recently signed a new legislation called the Universal Service Guarantee, which operates alongside the Universal Service Obligation. The Universal Service Obligation is supposed to make telephone services accessible for everyone. Similarly, the Universal Service Guarantee intends to make the internet accessible for everyone. We wanted to find out what it does and whether it will help people access the internet.
4: So the Universal Service Obligation has in Australia for uh, a number of decades now. So the original intent of the universal service obligation is that all Australians should be given fair access to voice services. That means a basic right to have a telephone service connected to their premises. Government has agreed to add the broadband because around the world, it was becoming increasingly recognized Internet access is should be treated as almost like a basic service. The spirit
1: of the legislation is about basic rights. Australia doesn't have a human rights charter, but if it did, Professor Nemelathas said basic internet access should be part of it.
4: A basic uh, internet access should be available to all of them because that is by which they can express their right to communicate, a freedom of expression and be able to engage in all sorts of activities, including education, you know, employment, health services, social services. And basically, it is also a binding glue for social cohesion and also addressing inequalities in our society.
1: So that's the idea behind the Universal Service Guarantee. But we wanted to find out, what rights exactly does the Universal Service Guarantee give people? Professor Namalathas said it guarantees access to what the government calls basic broadband. That means 25 megabits per second download and 5 megabits per second upload. That's a pretty slow connection, but it's the minimum that you'd get if you had a satellite or any other broadband connection. So the Universal Service Guarantee promises internet, but not necessarily good internet. And satellite internet would be a lot more expensive without the government-funded NBN. What it doesn't guarantee is it doesn't allow people to decide what kind of technology they will get, whether it'll be fibre, fixed wireless or satellite. We asked Professor Nimalathas what options there are to improve internet access in Hidden Valley and narrow the digital divide between Hidden Valley and other parts of Alice Springs. He said there are a few possibilities.
4: I think they have now at least uh, two other technology options available to offer better service to that community. One is a fixed wireless the other one is uh, five to the north. But given there is a, a presence of copper, uh, they, they should be able to um, upgrade that with very ease.
1: Town camps aren't remote communities. They're right here in Alice Springs. The struggle to get telecommunications and digital access is because town camps have been left out of the development of infrastructure since day dot. As Nolan and Tim have said, this undermines the health, education and safety of town campus, as well as the reconciliation of Alice Springs. Universal service means that everyone gets equitable access to broadband and telephone services. Equitable access means there is a public responsibility to level the playing field by ensuring that the cost of engaging with the digital world is not prohibitive to anyone.
3: Everything that we need, we all can share that together. That's why and black. This is our town. This is our home. From the beginning, we shared with the white man this great, big land. It was Australia. We should be even, sharing and caring, and together be one
0: nation, in Australia. That story from Hidden Valley was produced by Elsie Kennedy, Merritt MacDonald, and Nolane Macmillan. Hidden Valley is not the only community struggling with connectivity. The same questions about satellite internet, fixed wireless and other options are being discussed all over Australia. So we've invited someone with first-hand experience to join us. Daniel Featherstone now works with me at RMIT University, but he once led a project to get internet into the Nyanandara lands in remote Western Australia and was later manager of First Nations Media Australia. Now he's a senior research fellow on the Digital Inclusion in Remote Indigenous Communities project.
5: So I started as the manager of Nyanandara Media in 2001, living in Irindju community by the tri-state border of WA, SA and NT. I was a Filmmaker, I went out there with the aim of, you know, helping to get media production happening across the region, uh, and did some consultation with communities around the you know, around the region to find out what activities they wanted. And one of the main messages that came back was that people wanted a phone, and I went, oh, <laughs> that's not really one of the things that I know much about."
0: Daniel managed to get 200 households signed up for prepaid telephones in their homes, but was told they could only have 35, as there was no infrastructure to connect those phones. And the universal service obligation, which we heard about in the previous story, didn't extend to prepaid services.
5: Now, when I first went to Irindu, I was told that there was fiber optic to the community and we should have really good internet. What I quickly found out was, no, actually the internet was dial-up on the old microwave phone system, um, which meant that I had a maximum of 9.6 kilobits per second to download my internet, my emails. Uh, And so you can imagine how slow that was to access the internet. Um, And so, yeah that became sort of the common story right across the region is that most of, you know, not just Indigenous households, but all of the staff were also trying to work out how to access emails. Most information was sent via fax between communities um, to access regional support and services, to do any bookings or sales, you know, um, ordering ordering your um, food supplies and and what year is this again? This is 2001. Amazing. Um, and I realised that Irindu was one of the better serviced communities that, in fact, Warburton, you couldn't get internet at all. It just, the, the phone system was a satellite relay system that just had so many pops and clicks in the system that it just wouldn't allow emails to come down at all.
0: And that's a bigger community. Isn't that it? was
5: the major community for the region. Um, and so, you know, this was a fairly common story under health couldn't access their patient database system. The police couldn't access their regional servers back in Perth. The education department couldn't access, you know, schools couldn't access the central servers. Um, so it wasn't just households, it was pretty much all of the agencies were struggling because of latency on the satellite, the very slow speeds and congestion people were really struggling, pretty much across all of the the communities, to work online.
0: Daniel worked with the Council, the Shire, Health and the Western Australian Government on a project where they got fibre optic rolled out to six communities. They also put satellite internet into another six communities and set up free Wi-Fi services and community access internet facilities in all 12 communities. The fibre-optic cable also provide a backhaul for mobile coverage. According to Daniel, satellite will likely always be part of the infrastructure for internet in remote areas, although it too could change. And what other alternatives? You know, we're hearing a lot about Elon Musk's low orbit satellites. Is this something which is likely to be coming to remote Australia at any point in the future?
5: Look, it's a really interesting um, development. One of the challenges we have with uh, with the SkyMuster satellite, as with almost all other geostationary satellites where they're in a single place, is that they're you know 36,000 kilometres above the Earth. And so we're talking a very high distance that the signals have to travel back and forth, which means there's a latency or a delay in signals that can impact on you know, voice and video conferencing, uh, and also accessing some remote servers where there's a, a sort of a handshake time. So that that latency is an issue. Um, the, the Starlink constellation, Elon Musk's um, new constellation, even though there's only a bit over 1,000 satellites up at the moment, they're looking towards about 12,000 in the future. Um, so there's big gaps in the, in the satellite constellation at the moment, but the height of those satellites above the earth is about 550 kilometers. So the latency is significantly reduced. That means it can have a lot more um, sort of day-to-day applications, um, particularly with video conferencing and um, like gaming and server access and so forth.
0: Low-orbit satellites are also better for phone services, as you can run small cell phone towers without the latency that they currently get from the SkyMuster satellite.
5: So I think, you know, there will be some real interesting developments that come. The problem right now is the cost. It's quite a lot more expensive for the plans than the NBN plans, which obviously have been heavily subsidised by the government, Um, and, you know, they've been trying to really come up with affordability models within NBN. Uh, and also that the equipment is a self-setup. So basically, you they send you the equipment. You pay for it up front, and they send it out, and you set it up yourself. Um, whereas with NBN, they will send out a technician to set up the dish and, and make sure it's all working. Um, so And then they continue to maintain that equipment whereas this effectively is now, under the Starlink model, belongs to the household and um, and they maintain it.
0: Telecommunications infrastructures are always evolving. The harder bit is ensuring that the products and services that work on top of these infrastructures don't exclude some people.
5: So, you know, there will be challenges around around the, the technology itself, but I think, you know, there will be some potential in the future... You know, it may be that NBN might actually use a Starlink backhaul instead of a, a, a next-generation Skymaster. Who knows? You know, it's, that's where the future might, might look to, um, outsourcing some of that satellite technology and focusing more on the on-the-ground service delivery.
2: There's a run-down bar across the railroad tracks at a table foot two, away in the back
0: That song was Neon Moon by Myesha, featuring the Warabinda singers from the album Deadly Hearts Walking Together. We'd like to thank the elders of the regions we travelled to in the creation of this podcast and during the research that underpins it. Telstra is funding the project. Disconnect is produced by RMIT University, led by me, Ellie Rennie, Tyson yunker James Milsom and Campbell McNulty. Today's Story Hidden Valley was produced by Elsie Kennedy, Merit McDonald and Nolene McMillan.